cliffcentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. Cliffcentral.com. Good morning. Or good day if you're listening on the podcast. It's December. Yep, no matter what you think of 2016, you've got to the point where everything is just going to be okay from here on in. December, 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 which means most of the big important sport is kind of finished, but we've still got so much football. Uh, there's still a fair amount of rugby as far as sevens are concerned. I mean, last weekend, wow, top, top story for the week. There's still cricket. Uh, sorry, getting back to that Cape Town sevens this weekend. There's still cricket on the go. There's still a little bit of golf, so there's still a bounce show, which is just jam-packed full of sport. I was going to start the review shows as of this week, but there was an interview that I couldn't quite get in time, because what I want to do is I want to start with rugby and get that fumed out of the way, and then I want a review show of cricket, and then I want a review show of like all the big things rolled into one. So what we're going to do today is um, I don't have any guests because actually I felt like the last few weeks have been so rushed as far as just trying to cram a whole bunch of stuff in. I'd like to just discuss a few things with you, take a bit of time on it. So one of the big things is football for the rest of the year. So there is still, like I said, some decent sport on the go this year. Um, we still, you know, not totally in the holiday just yet as far as looking out for results. The English Premier League is probably the big deal still to go right now. We've also got the FIFA Club World Cup. Sorry, is that making sense? Club World Cup. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's what it's called. Because Sundowns are going to that. So Sundowns have had to like really cram in some PSL games of late. So they can go and take a little brief sabbatical from the 8th until the 18th of December does the FIFA World Club Cup competition take place. So that we'll, we'll get more information about that. There's interesting F1 results. Uh, sorry, not results, news. Yeah, the, the season may have finished, but the biggest news from the whole year broke on Friday. So they can get into that. Uh, there's obviously the PSL election and then just a recap of what happened this last weekend. So much in the Premier League. So, so much. And, uh, what I've got is for you is, uh, basically just looking at the top four and how the rest of the, the year goes. You know, in England, there's a real big deal about what the world, what the music chart number one is going to be by Christmas. Well, let's have a look at, uh, what's going to be the big number one as far as, um, what team is going to be there at the end of the year. I know this doesn't always mean who goes on to win it, but with the top four being as competitive and, well, star-studded as they are this year, I think we get a fair indication if you're going to be leading this thing at the, at the uh, middle point, which is essentially end of the year, then, well, you could be stating a huge claim as far as getting into that uh, title race. Uh, Leicester, of course, they're not going to come near defending it. They're on the latter stages now, <laughs> the lower stage at the bottom of the log, which is unfortunate, especially seeing they're doing so bloody well in Europe. 
but you know you can't win them all and uh, unless this case they won once so that is pretty much what the show is going to be today we've got lots of golf to recap on huge weekend tiger's big return what does that mean for the rest of the golfing world is this a, a, a case of well he's back now we must now look for him being a champion again well, you know my views on Tiger. If you've been reading my blog, if you've been listening to the show any given stage, or of course listening to the morning sport on the Gareth Cliff Show right here on cliffcentral.com, then you'll know that my thoughts on Tiger are very much like, it's great that he's back. I love what the guy has done for golf. He's really changed the sport, but he is spent. I, I, I don't see him winning another major. People will keep giving lip service to this, but I still don't see it happening. And, uh, t- look, I don't need to be vindicated on this whatsoever. I don't need to be proven right. And if anything, I'd literally love him, love to see him win a major. Of course I would, like anyone would. But this weekend kind of showed that, uh, I don't think he's quite got that, that ability anymore to do it. So, seeing as just me in the studio with you today, feel free to chat to me on Twitter at follow the bounce if you are listening live. And if you're listening on podcasts, chat to me anyway. We can always bring up a, a, a topic later down the road. But a little bit something different today. I'm going to play, seeing as we are in December, I'm going to play a little song just to get us into the start of the show today. It is the latest one from Justice. It's called Fire. Uh, big fan of Justice. And they've got that old, uh, that saucy milf um, Susan Sarandon in their latest music video. Of course, like everything you hear on the show, I'll put it into blog format for you, the balance of CRZF after the show. So after this song, we're going to come back with a whole bunch of sport. Nice catch up. Big football feature. Don't go anywhere.
touch and go with the championship if you know and for example in the battle with the uh, Kishapin. Nice tune, Justice with Fire. So uh, another reason why I just kind of take this a bit slow this week with you is that I'm telling you that next week, sorry, not next week, next year, the, the show's going to be very different to what it is now. And uh, I appreciate you enjoying the show throughout the year, and uh, I think it's been almost two years now, but there's going to be a decent change as of uh, next year. So as much as I am all about the sport, and you know this, uh, you can get me every morning if you want the sport so the balance show is going to become a lot more sort of male lifestyle orientated now when i say my male lifestyle orientated of course there's still plenty of space for lady audiences uh it's just going to be more about other stuff you know it's just like sports going to probably go down to about 30 percent of it but there's so much more interesting things out there there's more interesting people i want to interview and uh, more content that i want to bring to you and i feel that there's just some weeks in the year where it's just churning sport for the sake of churning sport where I'd much rather have just like really good sport for you, really concentrated, and then uh, bring you a whole bunch of other stuff which you'll inter- will entertain you and, um, you know, give you something to look forward to every single Monday. So if you've got any other additional ideas or things you feel I should be putting onto the show in future, well, I'm all ears. You know, this show is all, it's more about you than it is about me. I'm just facilitating things. So I'm looking to facilitate a lot more different stuff. And in doing so, um, create a better show. Ben at thebalance.co.za. Email me at any stage if you want to get anything across. And I'll be sure to listen to it and consider it because that's what this Cliff Central platform is all about. It's about great conversations, great content, unrestricted and just all around bloody good. Right. Okay. God, I'm sharing so much with you today. Right. Um, pardon my heavy breathing. I just had a very big coffee and I had to run to the studio because I was running a bit late. Let's just get into the, the weekend sport just very quickly. Uh, there was a hell of a lot on the go. They're starting with rugby. Those Blitzbox, eh? how about these guys? There's just something so incredible about this team. And you think that they don't have a lot of money, but it's like they just have all the resources they need. And boy, do they know what to do with them. So they've always been pretty handy in Dubai. And uh, this time around, well, they're just so good. If you look at look at the results of how they went about winning this title, they got through their pool. Uh, their toughest game was against America. They got a uh, 19-17 win over there. Then they absolutely thrashed New Zealand 14-0 in the sevens match. 14-0. Incredible. Then they beat Wales, who had a very good tournament by their standards. They beat them in the semis 36-5. And then into the finals, well, it was SA 26, Fiji 14. Sibelo Sinatla scored 11 tries this weekend. 11 tries. The guy was recently named IOB 7's Player of the Year, and can he turn it on? 11 tries, and they played, what, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 games. Just such dynamic play. Just try to get the highlights of this. So again, uh, I'll, I'll send a link on, on, on the blog post after this. But these guys were just so electric the whole way through this tournament. That's in the past. Now South Africa breaking out. Dupria! Great goal, Dupria! One of my greatest ever live sporting moments was two years ago. I was in Dubai to watch the, the Sevens and uh, SA beat Australia in the final there that day. Such a great vibe. It's one of those great Sevens tournaments because there's nothing else but the Sevens. You literally are in the middle of the desert and you see a sign that just says the Sevens. An actual 
um, national signpost. <laughs> the team doesn't have a name, nothing like that. There's no roads of names. It's just the seven stadium. So um, Fiji, of course, were the huge team last year. They won the world championship. They were the best. Um, they went into the Olympics as favorites. Obviously, they won the gold medal. They've come to be against Great Britain in the end. But, um, wow, what a start this for the Blitzbox, eh? So they go and they win this one, which means now into Cape Town, which is the next leg, which will be this weekend here in South Africa. They are the defending champs. And uh, on the back of what they did in the weekend, just huge favorites again. So when you look at this team, and, and people, if you're not, like, whoever doesn't know rugby too much, you think, well, why are we so good in sevens? Why are we so crap in fifteens? Well, this just goes to show how the structures of SA rugby are so horribly rotten and counterproductive. And that in sevens, you get a bunch of very dynamic athletes, put them all together, get a decent coach and a lot of inspiration and desire, and you've got absolute world beaters. Whereas in the 15-man game, you've got rotten structures, you've got people taking hand-me-downs all over the place, you've got horrible internal politics, you've got coaches who aren't qualified, and then you get this mess, which South Africa is in right now in the 15-man game. But let's not dwell on that. Eh? Let's give the Blitzbox their big moment here, because that is what exactly this is. This is their big moment. They um, they did us so proud of the weekend, and to see things over on Twitter when these guys won, it's like, oh my gosh, people now are excited about rugby, even if it's just for one day. Commenter was having a nightmare there, trying to call him Frankie something or other. But that's it, Blitzbox champions. And the big result in the rugby of the weekend was England. Now, people have been saying, like, England, you know, they get to play all these easy teams in the Northern Hemisphere, blah, 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 blah. But they're a bloody good side. And the only side in 2016 to be unbeaten, they won 13 out of 13, which actually gives them a better result than the New Zealanders, who, of course, lost to Ireland. And uh, this English team were pushed really hard in the first half against Australia. I think it was uh, 16-13, a half-time break. But one team in it in the second half. They're powered ahead. And this is what these really good teams do. They, you know, they can suck your, suck the opposition in. And uh, well, nothing really comes up from there. Australia could just manage the five points in the second half. A try by Kepu. But 37-21, that is comprehensive. I know there's a late intercept try for England, which kind of flattered the scoreline there. But 37-21? That's England done adjusted for the year. They are, well, the second best ranked team, but like I said, unbeaten throughout the year. So there is now 14 on the, on the trot. Okay. So after the World Cup where they couldn't do anything, they couldn't even get out of their group. They beat Uruguay in a match. They, uh, changed coaches and had presto. They got 14 in a row. So another five from here. They set a new world record for most consecutive wins. They play five matches in the six nations coming up now with that fifth one being in Dublin against Ireland. This, this is going to be such an amazing story for 2017 to look out for rugby-wise. And, uh, you know, who would actually begrudge them doing so? We all know they've had good structures in place for quite a while now. Again, they've got the ability. It's very professional is, is rugby in England. And I think they've actually got the most licensed rugby players in the whole world per country. Yeah, who would have thought, huh? That's England. They've got a football-mad country. Um, they've got a whole bunch of useless youth that do nothing and yet they've still got all these amazing rugby players so that they're most um so that's going to be a big draw card to look out to and then once they do that then they're going to group up into the lions and then go take on new zealand so really amazing rugby year 2017 coming up um over the weekend there was a whole bunch of cricket as well well i wouldn't say a whole bunch there was a t20 challenge and i'm sorry I, I can't follow that 
Um, not because they haven't got a sponsor. It's just because, like, ugh, it's it's such hit and miss skilled-wise. I mean, I know Kevin Peterson's playing, Karen Pollard's playing, but some of the players are actually fat. If you notice, with like Cobra's team in particular, there was um, the Richard Levy. I mean, when did he become so pious? That he's a he's a proper sturdy mess that guy. Then there's that Freiland guy. He's also pretty handy with knife and fork. And then there's Kleinfeld. I mean, it's just everywhere you look. Like I said yesterday on Twitter, it's like one of the few sports you can be a professional sportsman and while being fat is domestic cricket here in this country. <laughs> look, I don't know. I mean, these guys are still scoring runs. They're still amazing cricketers. It's not it's not short change them on that. But um, into actual cricket, there was Australia versus New Zealand over the weekend in the Haddle Chapley uh, Trophy. So that's basically the two of them going at it uh, to celebrate two legends of their respective games. Australia did bloody well. They scored 324 for eight. And with that, Steve Smith got the highest score by an Australian at the SCG, 164. Wow, that is incredible. And uh, New Zealand, well, they made a pretty decent fist of it early on. Uh, Guptill got 100, but then they were all rolled out for 2.56. So Australia win that first one by 68 runs. And it's now into tomorrow, Tuesday, will be the second ODI, and it's a three-match series. So if Australia can win the game tomorrow, they'll wrap up the series. Speaking of wrapping up the series, uh, India are 2-0 up with two tests to go. So they're not, they can't lose the series. Uh, and you got to think that... England with, you know, they've had to place, sorry, replace, um, Hamid, who broke his finger. They've got a new South African guy in there for that. And then, uh, and Sari, I think, um, he's also gone. So they've got to replace two players and, uh, very much in the back foot is India. Well, you know, you go play cricket in India, you're going to get snared into their web and spun into this loom of just cricketing death and that's about it for you so don't look for any big results there other than the fact that India are going to win golf over the weekend the Australian PGA Championship Harold Varner III now you may not have known who this guy was prior to this weekend but you must get onto Twitter and, and find him he's quite entertaining and um, what a big win that is a big breakout win so the European Tour essentially the new season started this last weekend uh, it started concurrently between the Alfred Daniel Championship and the Australian PGA Championship so Harold Varner picked up the first title there because of the time zone and then Brandon Stone followed him in with Alfred Daniel Championship success he was 22 under par for those four rounds he started 2016 by winning the SA Open at Glendower of course he is like young young huh? he's like early 20s like really early 20s he um we used the same college setup as Jordan Spieth. He uh obviously was in the same basically the same team as Jordan Spieth. There was a year difference between the two of them. He then saw Jordan Spieth turn pro and suddenly become like this multi bajillionaire. And uh he thought, Well screw it, this college system, I'm gonna turn pro as well. And um yeah, look, he had a bit of a slower start, obviously. You know, if you go from this college system, you don't exactly get a straight away into in the big tourism in America. And uh, so he had to come and cut his teeth locally. He won the Line of Africa Cape Town Open, and then he won the S Open, and now this Alfred Dunnell Championship that is absolutely gigantic. I think he's got, in the time it took Roy McIlroy to win two European Tour titles, he's done it in just over a third of the time, which is amazing seeing as Roy McIlroy is so incredible. And then sort of what overshadowed everything in the golfing world this year, this, this weekend, was the Hero World Challenge where Tiger Woods, uh, look, he was more than decent on his return. He had the most birdies out of anyone in the field over the weekend. But unfortunately, Tiger being Tiger, he leaked a little bit off the tee here and there. They're particularly bad at the par fives, actually. Um, he had some untimely double bogeys. Ended up finishing 15th out of the 18-man field towards the end. Uh, well, actually 17 because Justin Rose pulled out with a back injury. But Hideki Matsuyama, getting back to the real, real story for the weekend golf-wise, Hideki Matsuyama has won four of his last five starts. He's won, he's the only male, uh, professional golfer this year 
to have won five tournaments. Let that all sink in because this guy's 24, okay? Now, his game is it's, – it's it's pretty amazing. He uh, has been a bit shaky with the putter. Uh, maybe just a little bit of pressure gets to him, maybe mentally, being such a young guy. But now, all of a sudden, we saw the WGC um, in China. The dude won by seven shots, and it's like one of the best fields assembled in golf. He won by seven. He had a seven-shot lead going into yesterday's final round. Ended up only winning by two. Didn't have a good round. Henrik Stenson did have a good round chasing him. But Hideki Matsuyama, if you're going to look to bet on the majors next year, and I think Hideki Matsuyama himself might actually give something to this President's Cup team because internationals always take a dicking there. But you got a guy, if you can just somehow maintain this form, because, I mean, this form right now is kind of worthless and that he's nowhere near a major to kind of capitalize on it. But still, the belief that he's going to get out of this, um, you know, four PGA t- uh, Tour wins now for him on, on the U.S. Tour. What is what a player! What an absolute superstar! We've got a whole bunch of football to go. Um, this is a big feature for today. So, getting into that, I just want to play you um, the latest from Steve Compella. Now, if you don't know who Steve Compella is, well, you've got to get into the PSL purely in the back of this. He is the head coach of Kaiser Chiefs, Kaiser Chiefs, who went down three-one to Chipper United over the weekend. So, let's get into the football section with just the latest from one Stephen Compella, who is. Oh, well, it's just so entertaining. What's your analysis of that match? Uh, first half, I thought we were okay, up until we considered similar goals. I mean, the goals we considered today were just the same. And for whatever reason, one, you don't have to explain, just own up. And like they always say, victory has many fathers. And a loss is an orphan. So I'll, I'll own up and take this one. It's on my shoulders and it's part of responsibility of leadership and being a coach. So you have to take it. I thought we defended poorly. We could have done better. And just similar balls coming from our left and we considered like that. Just have to take it and move on. Did you feel there were enough chances for your side to have buried this game even before Chipper came back? But what difference would it make, Julia? You can mention as many as you can. You can cite all excuses. It counts for nothing. Take this thing on your chest, on your chin, and that's how it is. There's nothing I can do about it. Pointing at those chances and all those won't change the outcome of the match. Just own up and take it, and it's part of our job as coaches. You're very frustrated on the touchline. Is it because you could feel that Chipper were dominating too much? Not really. There were instances where I felt certain decisions would have gone in a more balanced way. But I had a feeling like we were losing too many of any 50-50 situations. We were not given maybe opportunities. We had no advantage. And sometimes it gets into, into you under your skin. But I think I have to be stronger than that. Speaking of being strong, Coach, we've seen after the match now a lot of unhappy fans and I'm sure a lot of unhappy people at home as well. What is your, what is your message to the Kaiser Chiefs fans? If, if, if you have no power, what message can you pass on? Just have to move on, gather strength, and if you don't have enough strength, pray harder. All right, thank you, Coach, so much, and hard luck today. What you must do is go online and just try to find a Steve Compello clip. I mean, victory has many fathers and defeat is the orphan. This dude, he's absolute solid gold. Everyone thinks he's an absolute nutcase, of course. There's so many memes around it. It's like he's just, when in doubt, nothing to say. He just used heavily convoluted sentences and massively long-winded 
paragraphs of nothingness. This dude's gold. But I tell you what, his team isn't. Kaiser Chiefs losing over the weekend to um, to Chipper. That was they were one all up as well. This sort of makes it kind of more frustrating for the fans. And um, well, ever since that lost, um, they lost Weta Derby where they drew zero zero with um, with Pirates. You know, prior to that, they looked like they might be scoring some goals. I know it wasn't a huge kind of uh, you know improvement from where they've been because last year they really battled to score goals as well. But now they really are uh, plateauing, and now actually just capitulating as well. So. Hopefully no more orphans of defeat for Kaiser Chiefs if you're a fan of theirs. But, well, on the other side of the table, there is a lot going on at the top. So just looking at the Premier League uh, log right now, Cape Town City, they beat Vitz over the weekend on Friday night 3-2. Okay, so they're currently, they've played 12. They're on 24 points. Supersport United had a very frustrating draw over the weekend where the chances of picking up points were there. Uh, they've played 12. They're on 21 points. Vitz with two games in hand. Okay, so they've played 10. And they've got 20 points. So it's a very, very top heavy kind of like packed as far as competitiveness between those top three. If Fitz just gets six points from the remaining, from the next two games, they go to 26. They'll be on the same amount of games, technically speaking, as, uh, Cape Ponce and Super United, which will retain, return them to the top. Now, Orlando Pirates, again, just disappointing, disappointing. They could only handle a 2-2 draw with Highlands Park, which is the, well, Worst team right now. Uh, Sundowns, however, okay, so they've played eight matches. So that's four less than the tabletopers right now. So four less matches, and they are eight points behind. Okay, so they're on 16 points. Now, they beat Free State Stars 4-1. Big result. And you just know it's a matter of time until these guys get parity with the top teams because once they get that gap away, they, they're just too good. I know they lost to Ajax Cape Town last week, but Ajax Cape Town now on a three-game winning streak. These guys couldn't win the attention of their mothers earlier a few weeks ago, but now they've got three in a row. They beat Golden Arrows 1-0 over the weekend. So they're kind of easing the way off from the bottom. It'd be a shame to ever see these guys get relegated because there was so much so much intent that went into creating Ajax Cape Town as far as being you know, obviously the feeder system for Ajax Amsterdam and to see a team like this languishing at the bottom of the PSL it's just it's not good so I think everyone if you know I don't believe in the whole second team theory but I think if you are neutral you want to see these guys doing alright let's look at the other results Polokwane City they left very late against Platinum Stars Platinum Stars also having a bit of a torrid run of things so they went down 3-2 there um, Orlando Pirates as I said 2-2 uh, Marysburg United they beat Barocca 1-0 which is very good and then Bloom Celtic like I said very very frustrating for Supersport United no points there oh sorry just the one point no goals though so, where does this leave us? Well, I suppose we can't really get too much into the, the rest of the season, sorry, the rest of the month because, um, well, Sundowns aren't playing. They go off now to Japan, okay? So they have to play against, um, it's all very confusing target fixtures for this. Basically, they're either playing Club America or AFC. No, they're not. They're playing some other qualifier. I'm trying to find fixtures here. I've looked at about three different sites. It's all very confusing. Sunday, 11th December at 7.30. I can guarantee this for sure. 7.30 p.m., 11th December. Sundowns will play their first match of the FIFA World Club Cup. Okay. There. Got that. Now, this tournament will go on until the 18th of December. So, um, Sundowns in the first round. All the big teams are kind of then joined thereafter. So, let's rather pick up the PSL when everyone's back and playing full stream ahead. What I do want to pick up, though is the Premier League. Now, the English Premier League is always just so exciting because of all the drama on and off the pitch. One of the big things that's happening this year is that Jose Mourinho is getting old. I know he's always been grey, but he's looking very, very old. And when you're drawing four out of five times, um, 
go to go with all the other home draws in the league as well, and then you're dropping points against a team like Everton with a late penalty. Well, that all adds up to Jose Mourinho being very sort of well nonplussed. I think is the term. Well, Jose, if we start at the end of the game, what was your thought on the penalty award? No thoughts. <laughs> that clear that you felt it wasn't the penalty? No thoughts. No comments. <laughs> in some ways. Does this underline the problem you've had in recent weeks? You've played good football, you've been in control of games, and yet still you can't take the three points. Yeah, correct. Best team on the pitch by far. And uh, a result that doesn't reflect the difference of, um, of performances of both teams. Did you feel that perhaps luck was changing your way? Zlatan, obviously an excellent lob, but the ball could have spun one way, but actually, for you on this occasion, spun into the back of the goal. Yeah, but Herrera hit the post for the 2-0, and the ball didn't go in. Just a thought on a decision by the referee in the first half, Marcus Rojo's challenge. No. No comment on that either? No, no comments. Is there anything you can do, Jose, as a manager, when things go against you in the way they have been in recent weeks? Is it just hard work? work the way we are doing playing extremely well having some amazing performances for me Jones and Marcos Rojo players that almost never played for the club in the, in the past in the past two years the way they are performing in five consecutive matches playing as a central defender both against difficult opponents against uh, Arsenal against Lukaku against top strikers um, I'm so happy with with some individual performances, but but even more happy with the collective performance. Obviously, disappointed with the result because the results are important and we are not getting. Is there anything you can do as a manager to change that luck? No, absolutely nothing. The team is playing extremely well. So Jose has been a bit of a naughty boy of late. Okay, so he's been sent to the stands. Uh, I think the last two games uh, in the league prior to this one. Um, sorry, there was a league cup match in there as well. So whenever now the press know this, right? So they're kind of baiting him to talk about the refs because, they, yeah, look, this is the thing about high stress in, in um, situations like this. You're going to get the the highs and the lows of refereeing decisions. So, you know, he spoke about um, Rojo's two foot two foot tackle. Ugh, I mean, come on, that's a red card. But by the letter of the law, he dived in there with both feet going towards the guy. Luckily, he didn't actually make contact. He sort of went under the player. So um, I think he was lucky to get away with that. Then the penalty towards the end, he doesn't believe Fellaini did anything wrong. Every other Man United fan in the world who hates Fellaini basically said that he cost him the whole match. So he wasn't going to put any comments towards any of those things because he doesn't want any more controversy. But you can just see the guy is seething from all these refereeing calls. So there was 1-1 with Everton, and it literally was like towards the end of the match. Fellaini came on like normal, just like a piece of driftwood. He did nothing, uh, but he did trip up an Everton player in the box, and that was it. 1-1. What are the big games from the weekend, just action-packed wise? Uh, Liverpool, away to Bournemouth. They were 3-1 up with uh, about 15 minutes to play. They lost 4-3. Well, Jürgen, what an extraordinary afternoon. What happened there in the second half? Yeah, we gave the game away. Um, and But Bournemouth was ready to take it, actually. Was, I have to say, first of all, really deserved win for Bournemouth because they... Actually, not a lot in the, in the, in the, in the, in the early part of the game was for Bournemouth that they could... Um, Get confidence or something. We were really good. We we could maybe scored two goals. Maybe we could have scored more. 
didn't. That's not a big problem. Second half, then I'll penalty or not, but obviously uh, I heard a whistle. As all penalty 2-1, but scored and the 3-1 wonderful goal. Are again in rhythm, are again in the flow, everything is good. Stopped then playing football, gave the ball easy and simple away, let them back in the game. So, um, But again, they came back. They were not down after 3-1. They, they already knew. They, they, they always knew. There's still a, a, a moment and um, when you I'm pretty much. I'm pretty sure you saw it. But um, after three-three, Eddie Howe was on fire, and they wanted really to win. Okay, we need again a little bit with a little bit help from our side. But how is it? They deserve it, and it's a nice story. Unfortunately, we were part of on the wrong side. You've taken it very well, but you must be extremely unhappy though, because your team played so well today for a long time, and you did lead. You did have a two-goal lead twice today, and there were so many good things to end up completely empty-handed. Must be very annoying. Yeah, yeah, but we are not ice skating, yeah. um, so we, we, it's not about how it looks. Not uh, if it goes together, result, and, 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 and I, I know that we can play football, and we did it really well. And that's what I said. For Bournemouth, is what, it was not easy to to get confidence in this game because they, they tried to press high, they tried to press deep, they tried to do everything, but we were always a little bit quicker, a little earlier there, so we should have decided again. But that's not a problem. It's not really not dreamland where you can say, yeah, okay, each each chance needs to be a goal. Tunnel was clear at halftime. Um, nothing is decided, but of course. There's um, something so cool about this Jurgen Klopp, and I know people have been saying it. It's not because of his floppy hair and his and his spectacles or whatever. He just got a really nice way about looking at things, and this is why I'm more sort of endeared towards Liverpool than ever. Just watching this guy, you know, his team has just had a, a crushing loss. Now, when you three went up against Bournemouth, the points are there for you. Okay, three went up with 15 minutes to go. Bring it on. Now they um they they lost like as simple as that they've lost but you know it's an, it's an attractive team they scored thirty five goals this season that's more than anyone out there that's three more than Chelsea it's two more than Arsenal it's five more than Man City so they can definitely definitely score but the way that their their defense just keeps capitulating like this it's not good you know these teams have always got a sniff so if you're playing Liverpool and you're behind you just know you have got to keep playing and there's a very good chance you can draw level or win come the ninetieth minute. But Jurgen Klopp, he's on the field. He's congratulating the other team. You know, he's like, wow, that was an amazing story. We sadly weren't on the right side of it. It's just so good to see. Like other managers would be kicking the change room down, you know, like the doors and the benches or whatever. They'd be throwing bottles around. They'd be just mouthing off at the linesman. Jurgen Klopp, he's bigger than that. You know, he understands his team plays great football and that's what, what he's there for. They're just losing moments in the defense and that's just what's kind of tripping them up. So it is frustrating if you're a Liverpool fan, but um, just the, the way that they can score goals is so good to see. And it is so good for the league to know that these guys are back at, right at the top there. So just a quick look at all the other results. Uh, Chelsea, oh, they were brilliant. Just 3-1 over Man City away at Man City. So they now extend their lead at the top of the table and extend their winning streak as well. Crystal Palace, too strong for Southampton, 3-0. Spurs hammered Swansea, who are now very much at the foot of the table, 5-0. West Brom 3-1 over Watford. Stoke too strong for Burnley 2-0. Sunderland 2-1 over Leicester. Leicester's woes in the league just continue. Ugh, we all saw it coming. It's so worth seeing. Uh, West Ham United after, well, they frustrated United in the league uh, last week. And then they got hammered by them in the League Cup. And uh, Arsenal, after taking a very disappointing loss for their own in the League Cup, they went over there to the West Ham Stadium and they won 5-1. Alexis Sanchez with a scintillating hat-trick there. There we go. Bournemouth 4-3 over Liverpool in Sunday's match. And then, as I mentioned, the Everton won. Man United won. So, just look at um, the rest of the year and how it pans out. So, 
if you just gaze at the log right now, you'll see Chelsea are top. So all the teams have played 14 here. Very organized league. This isn't like the PSL where one team's played eight and the team have played 13 or 14, whatever. So we've got Chelsea, they've played 14, they're on 34 points. Then we've got Arsenal, they're in second place by themselves because of Liverpool slipping up yesterday. They're on 31 points, okay? Then we've got Liverpool in third on 30 points, tied with Man City, but a better goal difference. So that is your top four. Now, just looking at that, uh, top number on fifth, they're three points back, but they're not quite of the same quality. I mean, they've got seven wins, whereas the other ones have got nine. Uh, and then Chelsea have got 11. So let's just look at the fixtures here. Does it give an understanding of when this, when this year finishes, um, who's going to be doing what? So the incredible thing about Chelsea is they've got a three point gap. And I tell you what, they've got five games left this year. And it's very, very believable to see them with 15 points. And I'll tell you why. Sunday the 11th, they host West Brom at two o'clock SA time, right? Wednesday the 14th, They've got Sunderland away. Sunderland, not so flash either. Then they've got Crystal Palace away. Now, Crystal Palace also, sort of bottom half. They're in 13th at the moment. Then they come home and they play Bournemouth on the 26th uh, Boxing Day game there. Bournemouth at 5 o'clock. They should win that one as well. And then on the 31st of December, they've got Stoke at home at 5. So if you look at that, that is a pretty good fixture list running into the end of the year, okay? So if they currently on uh, 34 points, let's just add a hypothetical 15 to that, okay? Now that gives us 34 plus 15 equals 49 points. They've got 49 points at the end of the year. These other teams have to really go it just to kind of stay up with them. So looking at second place, Arsenal have four games left this year, okay? They take on Stoke at home. Should win that one. Let's give them a hypothetical three. Everton away is a sticky fixture. They'll play that one midweek, Tuesday the 13th. Let's just say, conservatively say, it's going to be a bit of a draw. Then Sunderland, sorry, Sunday the 18th of December, they are away to Man City. I'm going to get draw at best there out of that one. Uh, Sunday 18th, Man City versus Arsenal. That's at 6 p.m. SA time. That's going to be, let's just go one point. And then last game of the, of the year for them will be Monday 26th. They got, uh, West Brom at home. So let's just say they're going to win that one. So three, six, eight points. Now eight onto 31 and you get 39. So technically speaking, Arsenal could be as much as 10 points behind Chelsea at the end of the year. 10 points, right? Let's have a look at the other ones. Liverpool. They're in third place right now and they're on 30 points. Sunday the 11th of December, they'll play West Ham at home at 6.30. Got to think they could be able to be good enough for that one. Then they travel away to Middlesbrough, who have been quite a frustrating team to play at home. Um, let's just go, let's give them a win for that one as well. So that's at 9.45, Wednesday the 14th. Then it's the big Merseyside derby, Everton versus Liverpool, hosted by Everton. That's at Monday the 19th at 10 o'clock SA time. I think a, a draw there is a good result, uh, I mean, this could go either way. It really could. These games are always so tight. Because they're such big derbies, derbies generally end in draws. Our classic over the weekend. Uh, Real Madrid, 90 minutes uh, equalized there against Barcelona at 1-1. Then Tuesday, the 27th of December, Liverpool will host Stoke. Stoke aren't that terrible. Got to be said, they're pretty handy. Uh, away from home, though, let's just, let's just give Liverpool the points there. So that's three points from December 27th. Final match of the year for Liverpool is at home to Man City at 7.30. Just scratch that one down to a draw. So 3, 6, 9, 10. That's 11 points onto their 30 points. So they're going to 41 points, okay? So they can leapfrog Arsenal. But still, hypothetically saying, speaking, if they get three wins and two draws, they get 41 points. They would be a hypothetical eight points behind Chelsea in the year. 
So it's all very interesting when you think that when it gets to these top teams, that is a huge gap. And this is a huge gap, even if Liverpool play bloody well for the rest of the season. Sorry, the rest of the year. Man City, what have they got for the rest of December? Well, they've got Saturday 10th at, uh, away to Leicester. Now Leicester have just been, they've been toilet. League wise, they just haven't been good. They haven't been able to, you know, just, anything close to last year. Obviously, the teams are marking them out of the game now. They know what to expect. And uh, losing Kante, I mean, you'll never know the, the full value of what that guy did for that team and everyone just played around him. Then, Man City will take on Watford at home. So you've got to think that's another win there for them. Then, Man City have Arsenal. Sunday the 18th at home. I'm going to put that one down for a draw because it's going to be a tight, tight contest. And Arsenal, oh, well, they're on, in good form. They could well do what Chelsea just did right now. I mean, Chelsea just beat Man City 3-1. Um, at the, at the Etihad. Monday the 26th, there'll be Hull versus Man City. Got to think Hull being all the way down in 19th. I'm going to put up too much of a fight there. And then Saturday the 31st, as I mentioned, that is the big one. The final big game of the year, 2016. Liverpool at home versus Man City. Going to put that one down to a draw. So they're also going to get 11 points, hypothetically speaking, which will also take them to 41. So... If you look at it like that, all those hypothetical results included, and I'll put this all into a blog post for you. The end of the year, we could be looking at this for the English League. It could be 49 points for Chelsea, 41 points for Liverpool, 41 points for Man City, and 39 points for Arsenal. That's the way I see it hypothetically for the rest of the year. That is a hell of a gap for Chelsea to kind of um, have to relinquish. I know it's only, what, three wins or three games, whatever it may be, but that is a sizable, sizable gap. So good luck to Chelsea to try to get to that. It's all in their hands, really. It really is. So, finally, before we finish the show today, we need to get into F1 because the biggest news of the F1 season happened this week. Um, got, a, got a message here from Clint saying, uh, have you made mention of the Max Verstappen versus Mercedes, sorry, and Mercedes tweets on Friday? So just to get um, a background of that, um, on Friday, Nico Rosberg, well, he's just won the world championship, right? Biggest moment of his career. He then came out with this statement. A big day for me today. I'm getting my World Championship Winners Trophy here in Vienna. Um, but also another thing is happening. Um, and that is that, um, yeah, it's been an amazing year for me. And, and um, you know, since 25 years, since I started racing, my goal uh, and my dream was very, very clear. It was to win the World Championship. Um, and I've achieved that now uh, with your help. So thank you so much for your for your part of it, you know, um, your part in it, because uh, you kept me motivated, kept me pushing. Um, but this year, you know, it's been it's been extremely uh, extremely tough as well. I really gave it everything I had. I didn't leave a stone unturned, um, and I'm I'm not willing to do that uh, again for next year. Um, and so, yeah, so I've decided to call it a day, uh, stop racing here, I'm just following my heart. You know, you just live once, so uh, my heart is telling me to do this, and it just feels completely right. Um, and so again, yeah, thank you very much, and I hope uh, I hope you'll have fond memories of the last uh, three years. Uh, of all the exciting moments that we shared and yeah see see you uh, somewhere very very soon bye bye he just won the world championship he's 31 years old he's got the best car in all of f1 and he decided to cheers guys that's it for me i'm done no one really saw this coming uh nicky ladich sure as hell didn't see it now he's the basically in charge of the mercedes team there so mercedes are in a very strange position they have the best car yet they've got one driver February, this all um, starts up again. So they're going to need to find someone and find someone quick. Before we get into that, though, this whole uh, – why would why would someone like this just retire? I mean, at, at the very worst, 
he's going to be second place next year uh, on the driver's standing. He'll get a few wins, no doubt about it. He's about uh, like it, it's like it's all on the platter for him because he's in this, in this Mercedes team, which is so dominant. But people are saying there's a lot of speculation around the fact that dealing with Lewis Hamilton as a teammate is near impossible in that there's so much pressure around it. And he said it himself. I mean, he went through so much to get this win. Um, you know, all the different pressure and obviously Lewis Hamilton mouthing off about the fact that, you know, it's been unfair how certain crew members are, are favoring Nico. There's the race orders. There's all this kind of stuff. And you're dealing with a guy with a huge ego. And obviously Lewis Hamilton's a superstar. We spoke about this last week. He is all about winning. He could not care about anything other than being the world champion. He sure as hell couldn't care about anyone else who is a driver. Uh, when asked about who the replacement could be in the Mercedes team, his words were, I don't really care. The guy does not give a shit about anything other than his own abilities, which is fine. I mean, that's how you got to be to be great. You got to be single-minded. So people are saying that, you know, it's just the pre- the pressure of having to deal with the Lewis Hamilton being in his camp. Now, Rosberg has been dominated by Hamilton since the days of go-karting when they were like six and seven years old. And uh, it obviously had a lot to bear. And the fact that he won the title now away from Lewis next year will probably be a living hell for him. I reckon Hamilton wouldn't even greet him, wouldn't speak to him. He'll just keep pushing, pushing, pushing until that title is his. And then he might get some pleasantries out of him. So Rosberg, maybe this is a stroke of genius. You know, we never really know what happens behind the scenes with these things. And he probably just said, well, screw it. This is as good as ever going to be for me. I've got more than enough money. I've had my, my, my fix in, uh, in racing. It's been over 20 years. I mean, these guys start young, huh? They, they learn how to drive cars before they can basically run properly. So he's 31. The world's at his feet, I guess. You know, all this money can do other things in sports. There's no doubt he can be an F1 correspondent, commentator. Ugh, there's so many different opportunities for these guys. They're, they're, they're made for life, but he's gone. He is gone. So the big question of um, who on earth is going to take over from him? Because all the big teams are basically signed into contracts. Beginning of December, that's it. You're in. You're in for the team. And uh, so Mercedes basically had a bit of an interesting sort of um, interplay with uh with the Twitter world. So uh, they sent a tweet saying, we've had a few inquiries this afternoon. We'll get back to you. Thank you for your inquiry. Now they're referencing an email that a certain driver sent through. Okay. (laughs) So then um, reference, please to whom it may concern. And basically Max Verstappen is saying, uh, my, my job application is at least the best one you guys have got. Isn't it? So he's having a bit of a laugh with Mercedes about the fact that he wants to ride for them, wants to drive for them. Mercedes, obviously, it's all good tongue-in-cheek at the at the, at the moment. Um, Mercedes AMG F1 from the Twitter account responded to Verstappen's application by saying, when you put it like that, see you 9 a.m. Monday morning. Bring cake. We like cake. <laughs> These guys are cool. So Verstappen, he would be great, right? And then after that, he then says, uh, who should I pick, guys? And he's putting his <laughs> – he's got a screenshot of the um, of, of the team boss of, of, of Mercedes phoning him, basically. Should I, should I take the call or should I not? This is so funny. Uh, it goes on. Again, I'll, I'll put this whole thread up for you. You can look through it. But uh, Red Bull are basically saying, hands off our drivers. These guys are in, our con- in contracts. You can't post them from here. And uh, Red Bull have got a good team. Obviously, Verstappen's such a hot property because he's 19. He his first win this year. Uh, he's an aggressive young driver who really does have a huge potential. And then they've also got Ricardo as well. So they've got a decent team. Either one of those guys could easily go to Mercedes and uh, be a real force to be reckoned with. 
but who do you get at this time of year? This is going to be such an interesting, interesting sort of off-season story, which is going to evolve brilliantly. And if anything, it's probably the best thing that could happen to F1 right now. The monopoly that Mercedes have over this title is uh, it's a bit it's a bit boring, it's a bit crazy, I guess. But it's one that they've earned. But now they need to get a second driver in. And again, what's Hamilton going to react like? It's almost like having having a cat, and then you decide to bring another cat uh, to your house. There will be huge, huge, huge rivalry, huge sort of um, aggression, and huge amounts of tension. But hey, this is what the sports needs. Anyway, to wrap it up this week, um, for what's been a nice solo show, just nice hanging out with you as far as chatting about these things. Sorry, there were more messages, but we've got to get into the rest of this motorsport thing. Uh, just tapping on one quickly, just Brendan, uh, saying the Cobras are an embarrassment. We have to pay money to watch really overweight guys running around. Brendan, I, I can't argue with that. As I said, the Cape Cobras, um, yeah, they <laughs> very obviously being incentivized with a fair amount of food. So I found some old clips of Jeremy Clarkson. Now you're going to love this video when I put it up on the, on the websites. It is Jeremy Clarkson from 1991, but the dude had a massive afro. I mean, I'm talking a big afro, a 90s white afro, dressed sense. Well, it's Jeremy Clarkson. Because listen to how he used to speak in those days. It was so posh and official and so very British. This is Top Gear from 1991. This week on Top Gear, I get to realize a schoolboy dream. But we begin with an apology. Those of you who have tuned in to see a road test of the Bentley Continental will no doubt be disappointed to learn that just two days before we were due to film it, somebody turned it into a banana-shaped Bentley. Well, you can take heart for two reasons. First, you're not as disappointed as I am. And second, we've got something just as special. Isn't it nice that everyone started out really shit in their jobs? Okay, obviously, you'll get the visuals a little bit later, but this is so bad. And then Jeremy gets this Ferrari for a week, and he's wearing high tops and these horrible jeans and this black jacket, which is just atrocious. I had to drive around in this for a week. (laughs) It's, like, so cheesy bad. It's it's just... This is one of my favorite things that I've seen all year. Listen to this. This is my best bit. I'm going to go to a party tonight, and when I'm asked what sort of car I'm running around in at the moment, and I will be, I shall say, a Ferrari. And I shall enjoy saying it almost as much as I enjoyed driving it. Is that just like the creepiest thing? (laughs) Anyway, to uh, Jeremy, to more contemporary times and thankfully less cringe times, here he is talking about South Africa on the Grand Tour, which the first episode was all about South Africa. And of course, when you're looking to do a show in SA and you are a foreigner, well, it's always good to get the crowd going with some Zuma jokes. But first of all, let me talk you through where we are. It's South Africa. Over there in the distance, you can see Johannesburg. But this place here is called the Cradle of Humankind. Now, it's called that because archaeologists have determined it was on this very... Sorry, this clip's a bit soft. Uh, Bear with me. I'm kind of maxing on everything here. Anyway, you get the idea. A spot that mankind separated from the ape. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean be reasonable. 
You've, le you've learned to put socks on, but other than that... Listen, I'm trying to be profound here, carry OK? On, I'm on. trying to be profound because this is ground zero. This is where all of human history began. Anyone who comes here, it's like coming home. Jeremy! What? How long has it taken, some of us, to evolve from being apes, then? It's taken two million and a hundred... Okay, it's really soft, but if you watch it in your own time... While the rest of mankind has managed to grasp the concept of arithmetic, the president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma... Well, how can I put this? He sort of hasn't. I've got a clip here, show you what I'm on about. We announced that our membership figures... Anyway, it's, it's very soft. I don't want you to get straining to hear this. You can go on to thebalance.co.za and you'll get the full blog post of the entire show today. And uh, that's what, kind of where we're going to leave it off. So, like I said, as of next week, we're going to be doing some hard and fast review shows. So, we've got some nice people to talk to. Uh, the panel alone for um, the cricket one is going to be absolutely amazing. So, we've got that to look forward to from next week. Uh, we're going to do a cricket review show. We're going to do a rugby review show and then basically all the things in between. And then that will be the year done and dusted. I think 19th. The uh, December the 19th will be the final ever uh, bounce show for the year. And then as of next year, like I said, I'm going to change the show around quite a lot. So if you've got any suggestions of what you want to throw into the new and improved bounce show, uh, feel free to email me, ben at thebalance.co.za. I'm going to bring in a whole bunch of new contributors, a whole bunch of new interesting people who are doing things in and around sports and just general male lifestyle kind of stuff. I don't like that term, male lifestyle, but you know what I mean. It's going to be along those kind of lines. So thanks for listening this week and uh, go on to thebalance.co.za and you can get everything else that we spoke about today, plus all these great clips, the embarrassing ones about Clarkson with his afro and everything else. Anyway, it's been great chatting with you today. Catch you back next week. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Clive Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why didn't you tell me? Ben Karpinski on CliveCentral.com. CliveCentral.com.